Welcome to this episode of Music Matters with Daryl Craig Harris and Music Tribes Unite News. Talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders and more. We have our good friend here, Roban, and I know I'm not saying the name exactly right. It's Roban because you guys roll your R's, <laughs> which is a little challenging for me. Um, Agnes, and he's the, well, actually a multi-talented guy. He's the bass player for a very well-known uh, Finnish blues band called the Ventus Blues Band. Um, he's an independent record label owner, which is a label that actually my band is on, which is Ramasan Records. You're a club owner as well. Um, in Kokola, Finland, which is a great rock and roll blues club. We're going to talk about all that stuff. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm doing fine. Doing fine. I'm glad to attend this meeting with you here and uh, so uh, and uh, share my my thoughts and uh, ideas with all you bass player all over the world. Yeah, we have a lot of bass player friends and a lot of great bass player pages that we that we work with, and um, also my podcast series. Um, so tell me about. You know, a lot of people, a lot of Americans, maybe they think of uh, Finland in terms of a lot of the, the metal bands that we know, the rock bands. Um, but there's actually a huge music scene there. And, uh, and the blues scene is very alive and well, which is something you've been an integral part of for many years. So tell me about how you guys started your band and, and blues music in general in Finland. Well, we have to go back in time to, uh, I would say, uh, uh, early 80s when uh, there was actually a big live scene here in Finland. And uh, there was uh, uh, a booking agency in Finland that worked together with, uh, with uh, other agencies in, uh, in Norway and, and, uh, and uh, Holland. And that brought over all these, you know, American guys like uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds, right. Steve Ray Vaughan. Omar and the Howlers and uh, Duke Robillard and, and, and all these. And uh, for many of these American artists, this uh, I would say, uh, uh, let's say we're talking about the new white blues scene. Right. It was their first visit to any European country was actually to Finland. Ah, okay. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, we had uh, a massive, uh, how would you say, rock and roll uh, a thing going on here. We had some great bands in uh, in in, uh, in in the seventies. One called the Hurricanes mm. that played, you know, Little Richard, Jews, right, right. you know, yeah. and and, uh, and, uh, and then these all these bands came came over and uh, and they started to play here and they they played all these you know smaller towns and like like my town for instance. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we had, we had these guys coming over here. And they made a huge impact on, on the on the whole music scene, and a lot of uh, bands and musicians wanted to start playing like mm. them, and because something else than uh, than the, the other, uh, I would say, popular music that we were, uh, you know, we knew of. right because you're getting a lot of American music like Motown and, and top forty music, um, but you know you had that you had that influence going at the same time, right? Yeah. So, uh, so then, of course, uh, also the uh, the big uh, beer companies they came in with this idea that you know if you have a pub, in the, this was in the eighties. If you have a, had a pub, and you booked a band playing, you know, this kind of music, or, or booked had a band at your pub, right. you could get uh, the tenth case of beer for free. That you could sell. That's a good deal. <laughs> So, so uh, all of a sudden, we had we had a massive, uh, you know, uh, uh, a scene, you know, within the blues, mm -hmm. there, you know, going on here, and and a lot of blues bands, you know, started to play here. And uh, in my town, we had a we had a really active uh, uh, music society mm -hmm. that uh, was arranging all kinds of concerts here at the parks, and they had uh, some all you know bars and venues at the bars and uh, where they you know regularly arranged uh, concerts for and uh, for local bands and they wanted to have all the local bands to play there so there i was uh 15 year old had uh, you know started to play you know music uh, and uh, we formed our our band 
Juventus Blues Band actually when when I was 15 years wow. old and uh, and and uh, we met each other on a music camp where, where we were playing mm. you know it was like a pop and jazz uh, you right. know uh, camp where we got to meet you know other youth uh, young people that were interested in music and uh, so we formed our band at that age and of course uh, this music society was like wow we have all these youngsters you know, right. that, uh, and we'll give them shows so uh, but we were underage so we had to ha- bring our parents with us to the shows <laughs> i've been playing at bars since i was uh, like 16 or something yeah me, me too that's and, crazy right <laughs> Uh, so, so that's really how it how it all got started, mm. uh, and uh, and uh, well, of course, there was a, all of these uh, metal bands started coming by that time, you know, like Iron Maiden, and uh, we were listening to Black Sabbath, right? And, uh, Axe, these, uh, these bands, and uh, a lot of you know young people also wanted to play this kind of music, you know, uh, but. Uh, the thing was that they there was actually no scene for it, so you couldn't get shows if you had a band, and you and if you had a metal band, you had to have all all the outfits and the right, all, all the stuff, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so therefore, uh, since we started a, a blues band, we could get gigs because we could go in any any bar corner mm. and set up and start, right? So. So that's actually how it, how it all got started, and uh, and but there's a big interest for uh, for for blues music, or always been, and it's it's been going down a little now because the audience is getting you know older and they're, right. they're not not promoters anymore, you know, doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I mean the club scene has changed too, but I think it's it's really nice. Like I was just in Finland for three weeks. Um, doing a tour with our band, Charlotte Curbs and the Strays, which is on your label. And I got a chance to play at your club and we got a chance to see a lot of the local musicians. And there's such a vibrant music scene in Finland. And like I said, a lot of people think of the rock bands, but you have blues, you have a lot of great jazz players. There's a a really happening um, original music scene. Um, And it's nice too, because it seems like the government there really supports there's a lot of programs to support young musicians as well i think right yeah we have a we have a great program and uh, you know education within the music scene mm-hmm. unfortunately we can't uh, we can't employ all the musicians that we're you know educating <laughs> so right. uh, the music scene is tough yeah. uh, and uh, we could talk for ages about about you know uh, being a musician and uh, because and, and all, all the things that you have to do if you want to be you know in the scene because you gotta from you gotta you gotta not not only you know play good you have to have a good product you have yeah. a, have to do marketing you have to do uh, sell the gigs you have to promote the shows you have to do was, everything yeah. it's just too much for for anybody so yeah. so you don't. If you're a, if you want to be a good musician, you have to be able to have time to rehearse. But if you got to do all this, uh, this yeah. uh, stuff, you know, in order to go go out once a week or play to play, you know, it's just impossible. Yeah, it's or challenging, and I mean, it's it has gotten more challenging because there are less shows available for young players. Which is, and then like you mentioned, there's a lot of people that are very well educated musically, but then you kind of wonder where they're going to play. But that's sort of it's sort of always been that way. But and it just sort of morphs and changes, I think. But um, how did you so how did you get the idea of starting your own record label? And how did that happen? Well, uh, uh, where should I start from? Well, uh, at some point when we uh, with our band, when we uh, we we did more shows, we uh, well, yeah, I, I have to start from the beginning. Yeah, that's okay. We, we got ourselves a, a, a booking agency that started to book shows for mm. us. But I really didn't feel that they were, you know, working, you know, uh, enough enthusiastically, you know, for, right. uh, for getting us to show. So I thought that I can do this better. You know, my my grandpa was a horse trader. <laughs> so, that, helps, that helps when it comes to booking shows. <laughs> 
So I first started, you know, doing that, right. and I formed my booking agency, you know, and uh, and uh, and through my booking agent uh, agency, I, I started to bring a lot of, you know, other uh, American acts and, uh, you know, foreign acts in Finland and, and booking them. Who's, who's some of the acts, since, since you're talking about, the, who are some of the acts that you brought over? So it's quite a long list, right? Well, to name a few, I've, I've worked uh, for years with Canned Heat. Ah, okay. And, uh, as a bass player too, right? No, no, no. I, I was only working as a as, a, okay, as gotcha. a booking agent, and uh, and uh, yeah, well, Larry Taylor, he, he's he's he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, so who right. could take? But then uh, I uh, I also worked for uh, for years with uh, with the fabulous Thunderbirds, yep. and at some point right. I other shows in uh, in Europe. Mm. And then, uh, well, I've I've done uh, well a lot of a lot of different different bands, mm -hmm. you know. It's it's a lot. But anyway, uh, to get back to this uh, this story is that uh, we were uh, we had uh, with our band we had uh, first we had a Finnish uh, uh, record label working for us. It didn't. Uh, I, I felt like all other artists that they didn't push it well right, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's uh, always we, a struggle uh, <laughs> although you did you did a good then, job for us <laughs> I'll, I'll say that so then uh, then after that uh we uh we uh we made a deal with a with a german agents uh, a german record label the rough records mm -hmm. that's within the blues scene in uh in uh in the u.s as well uh, and uh and uh, we did two albums for them. We had two really good products. The first one was that uh, we, we made a double album out of our 20 years anniversary. That was also made, we also made a movie. Oh, wow. So uh, we, I can talk, tell you more about that later. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then we had, a, we did a second album after that. And we went all the way to the U.S. to Woodstock to record it at Levon Helms. Ah, okay, wow, awesome. really good, uh, good product. But uh, they didn't do any, you know, work for it. And if you're on a German label, they're doing promotion for us, and they even can't can't get us an interview in the German blues magazine. You know? right. So then I thought that this is uh, this is not working. Yeah. So then. And uh, uh, I formed uh, Rama Sound Records, which is also a promotional uh, company. We're doing concerts. The whole, the whole booking scene with arranging concerts had had also changed. Uh, so it was a uh, basically also a, 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 a financial movement, you know, uh, within within the business right. move that you had to make. So that's why I formed this uh, record label. To release our own records and now we also could have a you know uh keep it in our hands all the the the, the distributional stuff so we could follow up that how many is going and also this digital part you know so was uh, was another thing that was coming up and it was better to keep that all that in your own uh, it's nice to know like you said like it's nice to know you know, if you're selling, if it's getting played, you can kind of keep track of all the numbers instead of being dependent on somebody else to tell you, because uh, that can be frustrating, especially when you're trying to make a living and, and all that stuff. And then it's also nice, too, that, but, you know, with you, like what we've done with you and being able to have you also as the promoter and booking, it's so nice to have that in one place because... A lot of times, maybe you get a record deal, but then you got to go get shows. The label's not often, it doesn't have much to do with that. <laughs> so it's nice to have that kind of all in-house in one place, right? Yeah, and it uh, seems like many many of these uh, record labels also, they're more interested in the publishing stuff than they actually of uh, releasing the record. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a part that I don't want to go into. Right. I think I, I already have enough with, you know, I, I'm I'm in this business because of the love of the music, right. and uh, that's my main thing. And uh, I'm I'm not releasing anything that I don't really personally like. Yeah, uh, I really I really want to to feel some something for the for the music that we're releasing. That uh, otherwise, you know, uh, 
I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So I get a lot of inquiries that if, if I can do with this or that, but I, I always tell them no. So, yeah. uh, so all that to be interesting enough, you know, for me. To do well, I think, it. I mean, that's the advantage of having an indie label where you can really control you're the, you're the the whole, you're basically the team. You decide if you like it or if you don't like it, and and it, you know part of working with the band is, is is devoting your time, of course, and you only have so much time to do everything that you're doing. Plus, you have I mean the other thing is you have a very successful club that's busy um, in Coca-Cola, and we're going to talk about that as well. But hey, tell me about a little bit about how music publishing works in Finland versus other countries. Cause in a lot of countries, especially in the States record labels, they try to get the publishing from the artists when they sign them. But my understanding is in Finland, that's not a common thing. Is that? No, it's a, it's a bigger thing in the, in the U S and uh, well, I always thought about that. Uh, if you write a song, why give it away, you know, or give give away, you know, a big share of the, the, the song, you know, to somebody that really doesn't do any work for the song. Right. Uh, so, but uh, in in the States, you have uh, more, uh, I would just say, uh, possibilities regarding, you know, uh, movies and, uh, and uh, commercials. Right. And all that. And uh, when we were... Uh, Okay, now coming to this, uh, uh, we when, when we had played, uh, we were getting about uh, uh, we had played for about fifteen years. Mm. Then we started. To, we we really need to have a, a big celebration when we're been uh, running the band for twenty right. years. At that time, we were we were much working as a backup band for. Uh, many uh, American artists, blues artists, ah, all these okay. people, Chicago and, uh, and uh, from the Southern, you know, Luciana Red, Eddie Kirkland, who played with uh, John Lee Hooker in the mm. early 50s, first recordings right. with him, and uh, Carrie Bell, that was part of uh, Muddy Waters' band, mm. and Phil Guy, the brother of Buddy Guy, oh, okay. and so they would come to Finland, and you guys would be their backup band. Toured with them all over oh, Europe. Oh, okay. Wow. And uh, one of the most well-known artists that we worked with was Mick Taylor. Okay, right. In the Rolling Stones, in the early early seventies. Right. And uh, and uh, so what we did when we were celebrating twenty years was that we we rented the big Alexander Theater mm -hmm. in Helsinki. Right. This piece, uh, the Tsar Alexander had formed in, uh, in 1800. Yeah, something. that's a beautiful theater. I, I've been there, yes. <laughs> and we did, uh, we invited all these people, these guests that we uh, had been working with. So they all came to Finland for that weekend in particular. Wow. Uh, we did uh, three nights in a row five hours concerts. <laughs> wow. We, and we recorded it and we made a movie. Huh? We made a it's called family meeting. And uh, and uh, we were uh, we received we were nominated for uh Jussi, which is like a uh, a Finnish Oscar for best documentary. Wow. Yeah I mean that's but that's a that, that's an epic undertaking. <laughs> Shown on uh, on television in uh, in Sweden, Finland, and Norway, and it was also out on the in the cinema theaters in Sweden. Oh, okay. So it was a really big project that we did, and that was uh, when when I was where I was doing working as a producer for this whole whole thing, and uh, that was when when I I got in contact with all this publishing stuff. Mm. Right, yeah, you have to get clearances and all that stuff, right? For the, for the movie. And I noticed that, you know, uh, there's no uh, really, um, how would you say, uh, a system working for it. It's just like, you know, you know, Robin Steele, you know, yeah. you know, you, you take. It's like, the, I say, like, it's like the Wild West. <laughs> 
<laughs> a moment, a clip in the movie, in the in the movie, uh, about thirty seconds long, where uh, Lacey Lester, you know, famous blues guy from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, or Baton Rouge, uh, and he's he's playing an old uh, uh, Elmore James uh, song. Yeah. And we had to, to get a you know, license to use that. Right. I contacted uh, the, uh, the publishing company that was located somewhere in Denmark. And uh, they just said, yep, a thousand bucks, you know, for 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then by the time that, I, that well, I, start, I started arguing with them and they said, no, we're, it's going to cost this. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know, uh, we took it. We never received any bill. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, so very interesting. So, and uh, there was also a one uh, old soul number that uh, we couldn't find anybody that was, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, sad because especially, I think in particular, blues artists, that that that's been really messy for them a lot of those guys lost lost or never had control of their publishing or it was sold from out from underneath them um I, a lot of those people have the same stories i mean i used to work with little richard i knew richard really well that was the same story with him he lost he didn't have any of his publishing um and it's sad because a lot of these guys wrote songs that we all know and they they end up living in poverty when these songs are making millions of dollars, and that's always the, the really sad part about the business, I think. Yeah, and uh, well, the story about Chuck Berry when he uh, you know released his first single, and when it came out, it stood you know it wrote under the song was Chuck Berry, Alan Freed, and some uh, right. you know guy. And who are these guys? Right. You know, well, it's this jockey that's. Uh, picked up the record, you know, so they gave, just gave it to him, you know, uh, to publishing for, uh, you know, play, playing yeah. their songs. Yeah, I mean, even though, you know, Paul McCartney talks about the Beatles when they, they signed away their publishing, he goes, we thought it, we thought it was sheet music. They had no idea what, what music publishing even was at that point. And they just like, oh yeah, yeah. sure, we'll sign it. You know, they gave away their rights. <laughs> they had no, and there's, that, that's a very common story, which is, it's sad because otherwise, if you don't have your publishing, basically the only way you're ever going to make money is by having to be on the road forever, right? This is this is a thing that we actually, you know, should educate, you know, uh, you know, younger musicians about, and uh, that we have actually, uh, you know, received no information about, mm. and that is the music scene was a big business before they started to make records, right? They were. They were selling notes, sheets, right? And uh, and when all this re this record industry came came along, there were all these old guys, you know, selling you know sheets, and they were thinking about that. Well, how can we make money out of this? And of course, they knew how to do this. Of course, they could, you know, uh, uh, work it out in a way, and they just you know ripped it off from the younger generation right. that were, was there writing those yeah, songs because those the young kids had no idea they didn't understand what, what what's even what that even meant the music publishing <laughs> end of it i've been doing seminars at uh, at uh, at some music schools and i've been telling them about this and they were all like wow yeah. okay yeah. i didn't know i didn't know that uh, that that was the case yeah and, and the, the record labels that you know they would offer them a hundred thousand dollars or whatever whatever amount of money and, but we want all your publishing. And these guys are, they don't understand that if they have a hit, they're not going to see any of the money. <laughs> you know? And then, uh, well, in the 60s, you could, uh, you know, uh, the only way to market a song was uh, if, if Bob Dylan wrote a song in, in Greenwich Village. Let's go way down. Right, right. They, uh, <clears throat> They then, the publishing company, they took the song and they sent it away to different parts uh, of, uh, of Europe, mm -hmm. let's say uh, uh, Germany, Sweden, right. and they gave rights to, uh, to translate the songs mm -hmm. and make them, they could sing them in Swedish or, or, or Finnish or something. And that was the only way to market the new song back in those days. Mm -hmm. Now we have a, a different scene. Right. But, the, but, it was really strange also that um, 
for some years ago. Uh, I did uh, <clears throat> about 10 years ago, I did a, a, a big uh, Bob Dylan celebration concerts at Tavastia in, in Helsinki. And we had uh, invited all these Finnish uh, you know, rock stars and pop stars to uh, you know yeah. play his songs. And, and uh, the idea came up that why not uh, make an, an album with new translations uh, with, of the Bob Dylan right, songs classic and having yeah. you know doing doing these cover versions. So I started working out and uh, it and uh, I got a bunch of different guys to translate the songs. Uh, so by the time we had about twelve songs together, I contacted the publishing company and uh, and uh, and the a major record label here, here in Finland, a major record label, they said, it's probably not going to work because we tried to do this some years ago with Beatles songs, mm. but uh, we, they even recorded the stuff, but they didn't get the right to uh, to release it. So it's somewhere. But I, I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And uh, they said, that, well, if, if you can get the rights, we're interested, of mm. course. And uh, I I contacted the publishing company. I received a document to you know fill in you know what song and uh, who's the translator and uh, and what's the title in it, mm. uh, the translation in English uh, and and then no translation in in Finnish and then a back translation in English. <laughs> okay. so Interesting. They, but if if if, if the whole uh, uh, if the topic in the songs is changing, or right, if, yeah, because they want to keep topic. the integrity of the song, right? And uh, so I had scheduled this that let's release this uh, record out when when Bob Dylan turns eighty years old, mm. and, uh, and he he his birthday is in May, and uh, I had already given up the thought that this will never happen. It took three years. Wow. <laughs> you were committed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in January, I received a, a, an email that, yes, you have the rights now. So, wow. you, can, you know, start work. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there was some, uh, it was an hectic spring, you know, booking all, uh, trying to get everybody scheduled to work. Right. And, uh, and then, we, <laughs> I think that's... you know, two hours per artist right. to come in and to do the songs. And, and then we released it. It's called Dylan Suomix. Wow. But the major label, they didn't pick it up because uh, uh, right at the same time, Dylan was uh, releasing his own new album. Uh... So they didn't, didn't that's you know what it's amazing that you got the rights because no, D- dylan is notoriously difficult for that kind of thing and his publishing company yeah. is i mean i think now i think now he's actually sold his catalog but he used to be so hands-on on all the licensing and you know but they probably uh, gave it because uh, they had done the similar thing in in sweden uh, a few years and uh, which was made by uh, by one of the well, two of the most uh, well known, you know, Dylan uh, enthusiasts. Oh, okay, uh, big stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's interesting probably. too because in Finland and Sweden too, there's definitely some American artists that are very revered, and I know Dylan's one of them. But there's other other ones that are are you know, especially like in your world, the, the blues artists. Who who would be some of the biggest blues artists that that you personally? you know, love and, and have been an influence on you? Well, there are so many, I mean. I, that's uh, a big question. But... Well, well, the flagship is, of course, of, uh, of, uh, of when it comes to this, is the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, the band uh, which has influenced so, so many. And when we're, since the topic is bass player, <laughs> so... Uh, I mean Keith Ferguson in, in uh, the the original bass player, bless his soul, because he's dead now, and he was he was really a character oh, okay. and a big influence in, in Austin on the whole Austin scene. I don't I don't think that uh, 
we would have any Austin scene if it wasn't for, for him. Mm. And, and then the, one other bass player that started to, that I got really influenced about, about when I was younger was, I was really into Eric Clapton's early, you know, solo stuff right. from, from the, the 70s. And his bass player, Carl Radl, mm. or Radl, right. how you pronounce he was also, you know, uh, a great bass Yeah, and, you know, Clapton has always had the best bands. I mean, even if to, it's, he's always had amazing players, which to his to his credit. And there's a few people like that that have always had a killer bands, you know. Oh, yeah, but he can afford it. Well, that, yeah, that, that's <laughs> it. Exactly. <laughs> that, that does help. Um, what's, what's, yeah. what's some, I mean, you've learned a lot along the way. What's some of your biggest advice to young musicians, young bass players? Like what's something that's really stuck out to you as important things to know? Uh, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. If you have dreams, stay, stay with the dreams and make them come true. Mm -hmm. And uh, beware of your dreams, you know, that, uh, if they're too wild, they might come true. Don't want that. Yeah, exactly. so, uh, you, might, you might get what you wish for, right? <laughs> yeah. what, you, uh, what you need is uh, to believe in yourself and uh, and uh, work hard. And, uh, and uh, yeah, you have to and, and find your own thing. Find your own thing that you, you uh, want to do. And uh, sometimes you maybe just start to, uh, uh, working on something and you don't know you, you know which way it's gonna take you but uh, the road will show you yeah and the, the universe helps you too if you put the effort out there I think I think uh, you know and also people see that when you come at when you work hard and you and you do it with integrity people want to help you right yeah. yeah feel what you play that's also uh, one thing that you can uh uh, it you can uh, learn to you can become a really great musician, you know, with education and all that stuff. But uh, you ain't gonna be worth a shit if you can't, you know, uh, play with with other and uh, and do make great music right. and, and find. Yeah, yeah, you gotta play. you gotta learn all that stuff and then forget about it and go play, right? <laughs> There's a great. Uh, interview with Jaco Pastorius on the on the internet where uh, they, they're asking him about all kinds of stuff and he, he's just like well where I raised up you know we were just playing music right. <laughs> so uh, so that's and uh, and be open-minded be open-minded to all kinds of mu music and uh, all music is good as long as it gets sold right yeah and if it's if it's played well then everything's fun, right? Like, I, I've always I've always felt that. Like, people say, "Well, I don't like this, or I don't like that." I'm like, if you got great players, anything anything can be fun, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but for me, it was uh, <clears throat> well, I would say it it was a uh, one kind of a university to play, be able to play with all these uh, old black guys yeah. from uh, from south, and uh, because uh, they had a uh, different uh, vision of, of the whole music mm. if you, for instance uh, if, if you if we go out and play you know <clears throat> or anybody else from the western world and they do people start dancing you perform the song right. and the, the song is uh, uh, is uh, how would you say uh, it's a radio length of the song so it's it's two verses right yeah one verse, a solo, and then a chorus, and it's right. over, you know, and two minutes or something, uh, two, three minutes. But uh, when when you when you go out on stage with these guys and the people start dancing, these guys, they don't want to stop the song. Yeah, they'll, they'll just keep they going, right? <laughs> I've been into these uh, situations where... We've been doing, you know, a boogie for 20 minutes. Right. Some point when you've reached, you know, about 10 minutes or, or 15 minutes, you go into some kind of trance. Right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, 
you get something together with uh, with the audience, uh, with the people that's dancing, yep. that you really you really can't get uh, with you just you know. Or not now. Now we're gonna play a, a sting. Right. Or, yeah. That was that was something that we got some comments in Finland. Well, it's, it's, it was actually interesting playing in Finland and Sweden is very interesting as an American because when you play there, people really listen. Like especially yeah. especially in Sweden, they would really pay attention. And at, at first, it was like, are they do they like what we're doing? <laughs> and then they would come up to you later and say like, oh, I really enjoyed that, and it was very refreshing as uh, coming from the states um to have people so interested in listening to the music and really appreciating it that that's a rare thing you know and, and it's part of and part of what we were getting too is people would tell us they felt like they were part of the band because you know our singer charlotta who you know likes to involve the audience and i think that's such a special it's kind of goes back to what you're saying having that connection is such a special yeah. thing right yeah yeah, well, and uh, and uh, you know, to be able to go out there and play, and, uh, it's it's the best way to travel. To, right. to do it with the music, you always get in back doors, so, you know, yeah. front doors, and to meet amazing people and and other musicians, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, I would say that I've been blessed to have this uh, possibilities to do this, and uh, mm. and. Be, uh, able to uh, work with all these great musicians because there's so many memories and uh, they've been so nice and uh, and and when we when we were doing a lot of these backup stuff with these old old blues guys uh, it was more of like we, we were not a backup <laughs> this guy these guys we were a band yeah you become a family right they also wanted to make sure that uh, they tell us that they were the band. Right. So Eddie Kirkland wanted us to come over to uh, to the U.S. and play. Mm. And thinking uh, about uh, uh, changing the band's name to the Eddie Kirkland and the Scandinavian Snakes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's such a you know, like where those guys came from or where they come from to be welcomed into that is is such a special thing, you know. Um, with such a different background than what they know, but to be able to do that and do it authentically is such a gift, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, yeah, to realize, you know, uh, uh, from what kind of uh, circumstances they were coming, you know, compared to our, you right. know. So I had one moment that. Uh, Carrie Bell asked me, well, he was, you know, from somewhere from uh, Mississippi, I don't know, moved to Chicago in the I don't know, early 50s, late 40s, played harmonica in there. Mm-hmm. He asked me that, uh, hey, Robin, why did you start to play the blues? <laughs> and uh, and uh, well, I told him that, well, I one day I heard this, uh, you know, uh, got my mojo working. Right. Really, really into it, and he looked at me and was like a, like a big question mark, <laughs> and he said, "I started to play the blues, so I wouldn't have to be caught." Hey, you know, that's real. But that's real. Yeah, difference right. in coming, and uh, and I was also struggling uh, with uh, uh, for a time here with. Uh, uh, with myself, I I, I went to uh, to uh, well, we were always getting this que- question, you know, that can a white man play the right. yeah. Can a, a white guy from uh, from Finland play? The right, sure. You know, yeah. our, our, my father was in uh, in the war against Russia. He was uh, spending two and a half years, you know, in in. Uh, in the in the in the front line, you right. know. So, well, well, we we've been going through tough yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, the blues is just a different a different version, right? Different version, yes. And uh, and there was some people that said, that, yeah, we can't do it. Eddie Kirkland and Luciana Red said, yes, you know, absolutely, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But then at, uh, I went and visited uh, 
been to New Orleans uh, two times and uh, I went to see all these uh, plantations the last time I was there about five years ago and I saw all this shit there. Right. beautiful places but the cruel history and uh, and for uh, for a while I was really struggling myself that uh, am I allowed to to do this to play this mm. because you know, uh, uh, right and and I, I've been doing this you know I've been I've been and uh, I've been enjoying, you know, entertaining people within the blues music, you know, for uh, now 30 years, you right. know. So, but really, the big question is that, uh, that is this a part of me or is this, you know, uh, should I do it or all that? Mm. But I came to the conclusion that, uh, that uh, uh, we have to take this you know, uh, to the next generation. Right. Yep. Tell them about what it, what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, educate, the, you know, educate them on the history and, and the whole, how it all happened, right? So I, I've been having, a, you know, a, I've been doing school concerts here at, at, at my venue. So we, we have the youngsters coming in. Mm -hmm. here. And I've been telling, you know, the whole Afro-American scene about, you know, where gospel music comes from, where uh, rock and roll is, came from. And, and I'm telling them all these stories about Lead Belly. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, That's, you know I'm what, it's so important. That. And people love that music in Finland, but they, a lot of them may not know the history behind it, right? Yeah. So it's important to tell that part of the story, I think. Yeah, and the, the kids has been, you know, very, you know, uh, They've been uh, very enthusiastic about it, and I've uh, been re re receiving, you know, reviews from the from the uh, their uh, uh, you know from the schools, from the from the principals and stuff. Right. That uh, that uh, it, it's been really good. That we want to keep on going. Mm. Yeah, you know what? It's important because we a lot of people take the music for granted, but they don't know the history. And when, once you know the history. Then it becomes a lot more valuable, right? Then you really even appreciate it more, I think. And especially for young kids to know that is super important. It's part of. It's also too. It's just important to tell the story. Um, and Roman, how can how can people find you online? I know you have social media pages and all that. What's the easiest way for people to contact you or, or see what you're up to? Well, uh, it's just this is. Well, we have different uh, we have different pages. First, we have uh, the band's page, newsband.com. Mm -hmm. and uh, there's there's info about our band and, uh, and uh, all what we've been doing and, uh, and all that. And uh, then we have uh, I'm I'm not really running it actively. I have the ramasound.com uh, uh, page as well. Not much info over there. But then what we're really uh, doing now together with my wife is, uh, is we're, we're having our own cultural place, which is uh, the culturegarage.com. Uh, but with K, kulturgarage.fi. No, and you can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And, uh, and, uh, and, and the story behind that is... Uh, uh, my my father was uh, running a, a, a garage. He uh, was a car mechanic mm -hmm. and uh, early fifties, and uh, and uh, he uh, he was uh, he was working on cars until he uh, turned eighty seven years wow. old. And, and then he then he said that now it's 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 enough because all of his customers has passed away. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so I uh, I uh, took over the whole building, and I realized quite soon that I have to do something with it because yeah. you know uh, the pipes were you know uh, freezing in the winter time, and uh, the all uh, all the electricity was old and all that. So I started renovating it for uh, and renovating it for two and a half years, and I I really didn't uh, know what this would become, but I I just knew that. I have to give it a new, a new Some life. love, yeah. 
And uh, and when we were in uh, with the band in Woodstock to record at Levon Helm's place, uh, he was uh, Levon was still living, and uh, he was doing a concert there every Saturday. Ah. And uh, really expensive tickets. I, I think they cost about two hundred bucks or something. Wow. Took hundred people in there, and. Uh, and uh, everybody had to bring something because they had no alcohol rights or anything. Right. So everybody had a cake or something to drink or something, you know. And it was free for all of it. It was just a, a big picnic. <laughs> Fun. Levon was playing there. It was called the Midnight Ramble. Mm. Uh, and he invited, you know, uh, all, all kinds of, you know, well-known artists there to come and friends to come and play with him. Mm. So... See maybe staples there or so you know playing for only a hundred people. I attended a midnight ramble twice, and uh, so I started to think that what if I've been traveling with the band now for so many years all over Europe? You know, I've seen every gas station, and I've, uh, <laughs> I've seen. I played every shithole from Helsinki to the North Pole, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> well, me too, and, uh, on, the, on the other side of the ocean. <laughs> so, uh, so I started thinking, what, what if uh, we make our own venue so we could play here and the people can come here and, and give them, you know, a special, uh, special evening, a special you know, experience. Uh, yeah. Experience, yes. And... Uh, so uh, we did, and we managed to have four or five concerts before the COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we had to put down, and uh, and then we started together with my wife to uh, you know see for other possibilities. We were doing some streaming stuff, but now we are working also with uh, you know something that you call uh, culture and wealth care, mm -hmm. which is. And, uh, workshops for you know, yeah for, yeah that's it's a great venue and and what's what's really cool about it is it still has the garage feel you walk in it, it still has that vibe but it's, it's such a cool um like an intimate venue that feels super comfortable you feel like you're playing in somebody's living room which i i really like I'll, i i like yeah. the vibe there very much yeah and we have some videos on the on the on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Kulturi Koriamo, where if you Google GA20 Roban, you can find it. Mm -hmm. Or uh, it's from uh, from uh, Texas was here, uh, and uh, we have all their real complete concert there. So you can you can go and see and check out. You know what kind of one. Yeah, I'll, I'll include uh, I'll include your links on on this whenever we release this, and make sure people can find you um because you're yeah your pages are great the content's great you have a lot of really interesting bands and different bands it's not just blues it's it's rock it's a lot of different things and i love i love what you're doing with the educational aspect i think that's really great and super valuable for for the people of finland i think yeah so uh but uh but yeah we want to have uh, all kinds of music so i don't want to you know get People know me as the as the blues guy, so I don't only want to do blues here. But we want to have you know great jazz and mm. uh, progressive rock and the folk music. We have even classical music coming up next. Oh, awesome! Here. Yeah, that's a great venue, and I love you're in Kokola, Finland, which I love. I was just there two weeks ago, week and a half ago. A great, great town, and and a uh, little chilly in the winter, but that's okay. <laughs> So yeah, but that's mainly my story. So and and, and what what I'm doing. So uh, yeah, it's you know what it's so. a great story, and and we're only scratching the surface because you're very well known in Finland, and you're also everybody really likes you, which is not so easy in the music business. <laughs> so um, you've done a lot of things right, of course, and and uh, you've really helped our band out quite a bit, and I appreciate that, and. Uh, and we have, hopefully, we have a lot more to do in the future. And I'm looking forward to that. And someday, we talked about that. We need to play together and do, like, maybe a bass duet or something. <laughs> you will. Yeah. <laughs> the bass duet. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, uh, I've been 
trying to be fair and nice to everybody I meet, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, maybe that's a good, uh, good, um, advice to, uh, to a younger musician is that, uh, that to, uh, make connection, mm-hmm. make connection with, uh, with, uh, don't be afraid go and talk with people yeah. and be authentic, right? Be authentic You do it, you know, not just for your, for your own, uh, uh, how would you say purposes, you know, for your own interest, right. but, but really be interested in what other people do. Yeah. The whole, this whole business is, is built on relationships and, and being authentic and real will, will, will really get you a long way. Um, and everybody, all the calls I've ever gotten were people that I just met, I did a gig with, didn't think a lot of it. Then a year later, they call you, right? So that's, that's how it works. It's how the world works. And that's how the music business works. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me. I very much appreciate it. I know you're, you're a busy guy. You have uh, 10 jobs like I do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But maybe, yeah, next time I'm in Finland, we should get together, maybe play a little bit, then maybe we'll do like some live streaming together and talk, do some more talking about music stuff and bass stuff and all, all the good stuff. Yeah. We didn't come to equipment yet, so, uh, so, uh, but we'll, we'll leave that for yeah. next time. Yeah, you got, you have a lot of good, you have a lot of good, cool vintage stuff. So we, we'll have to show that off too. <laughs> I, I almost stole your, your uh, sparkle fender bass from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can have a chat and talk about that and, and, uh, and uh, you know make a filming and uh, I'll introduce different uh, uh, instruments and uh, that I have a, I have a really nice Ampeg AEB bass ah, okay. and it, you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. yeah yeah you've got you've got a lot of nice gear. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty jealous. So next next time you better watch me because I might steal a bass or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining it for joining me. And um, I will put the links uh, for to, for people to be able to find you um, on the on the podcast and on the, on the uh, social media posts. And uh, and also too, please tell your wife I said hello. I certainly will. And uh, to all you listeners out there, I have a message for you. Hmm. Keep on. (laughs) That's a a good message. All right. Thanks, Ravon. Thank you so much. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on our social media channels for upcoming guest announcements. And keep up with the latest at musictribesunite.news.